This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Welcome into the Hoist the Colors podcast. I am Stephen Igo, the host of the podcast and publisher of HoistTheColors.net. We're closing in on another game day, already week four of the college football season. East Carolina getting set to host its fourth consecutive home game to start the season. They are taking on the Navy midshipmen. We're going to break that down and a whole lot more and doing that. With me will be Bobby Harward, who's making his return to the podcast. And Bobby's a former ECU football staff member during the Rough McNeil era. We had him on the podcast a lot in the past. We always enjoy getting his take on things, his his knowledge of the game, and, and so much more. So we'll dive into Navy. But Bobby, it's, uh, it's good to have you back. I know you went as a fan this past weekend for the Camel game and took your, your wife and daughter. So what, I guess first off, Bobby, um, what was it like to be back in a pretty full Daddy Ficklin Stadium? It was awesome. It was great. Yeah, it was nice to – to be back and uh we got season tickets this year this is the first season purchasing season tickets and um so that that nc state game was the first time i've sat in the stands since the 2009 conference championship game against uh houston so um yeah it's a different perspective but it's a lot of fun um as you mentioned four games in a row uh i think my liver's ready for a break and an away game but um excited to be back in dowdy ficklin and you know, been been pretty good turnout, uh, especially for Campbell. A little bit uh, heavier than I expected. I didn't I didn't expect being a FCS opponent that it would be as as crowded as it was. Yeah, it's been awesome, man. And and even the ODU game was good for it being rainy. I think if it would not have rained, you would have seen forty thousand there too. So it's just been it's it's good when ECU football is talked about throughout town and kind of the, the, the town revolves around ECU football when the team is good again. And we're finally getting back to that point. Um, Bobby, you've got kind of a football eye. You know, you did some, some high school coaching even after your time at ECU. So you've always enjoyed diving into the X's and O's of the game as well as, you know, evaluating personnel, that sort of stuff. So before we dive into Navy, just curious, your, your overall thoughts on the first three games this year, we've had you on the podcast and the, in the past to discuss different things, but, um, you know, this program seems to be clearly trending in the right direction or continuing the trend. Just what are your overall thoughts on the, the two and one start for East Carolina? Yeah. It, uh, first thing I'll say is it's, uh, 
nice to have confidence going into the game week in and week out. I know in years past, it's kind of been like, yeah, do I turn, I mean, I'll turn it on because I'm an ECU fan and I want to watch the boys play, but just not a lot of confidence until this season. And uh, so that's, that's the biggest difference I've noticed. And you can see it on the, with the play on the field, the players are expecting uh, to win. They're expecting to be competitive. They know what they're doing. Um, The things that have really impressed me the most is First off, Holton's understanding of the offense. It seems like uh, it's a, a fine-oiled machine right now. I know there's, you know, at times been some frustrations in the run game and, and stuff, but really outside of, you know, two poorly placed throws, I mean, he's been as good as you could have asked you could ask for in the offense. Um, and then defensively, I mean, they're picking up right where they left off last year. I think that the one thing that's really surprised me is how much zone they're playing. I know Brett had mentioned this in, in one of his post uh, post game chats or whatever that he opened up on the board, but that really has surprised me. That's something I noticed early against NC state. Uh, you know, they started uh, hitting that open zone there uh, behind the linebacker on that deep dig route. And they kept killing that and wearing that out, but it, it did surprise me how much zone we've been playing this year. Yeah, and I think uh, overall a, a good start for the defense, and maybe some of that's due to not having Jaquan McMillan, and we'll we'll see how that continues to progress. I, I still feel like, and not to get too off track, Bobby, but we still haven't seen that Blake Harrell game where he just turns the dogs loose and just brings blitz after blitz, and maybe we're past that, but I feel like still at some point this year, maybe it's got to be the right opponent. We're still going to see that style of defense. I've been wondering the same thing, uh, and I've been thinking on that a little bit too. I, I Part of me just wonders if, if he feels so comfortable and confident in the personnel they have, especially up front. Uh, you know, a lot of the times when you're having to blitz, you know, 60%, 70% of the time, you're trying to mask some things and some deficiencies in your defense, and maybe they feel comfortable uh, that they've got all the holes plugged necessary and they can really play uh, – a base defense they can nut up and just play ball and not have to worry about all the fancy stuff um, and only and only fire those those bullets when necessary. So you were at DH Conley when when CJ and Holton were there, is that right? That's correct. Yep, I was the the head JV coach and uh, I helped with the the varsity offense. Um, their senior or I guess yeah, Holton senior year. Yep. So we obviously texted a lot this offseason during the whole C.J. Johnson drama where – I'll be honest, man, I thought that he would not be back. And, you know, for him to come back and play like he has, how much more do you think that's added to the offense? Because, we, you know, we knew that Isaiah Winstead would be a player, but I don't think we were ever counting on, hey, C.J. Johnson is going to be back. He's going to be maybe even better than what we've seen the past couple of years. You know, when you see him get back to the level he's playing at now, what does that mean for this offense? Dude, it's an it's another weapon. It's another weapon. Um, I think the thing that that helps him the most is he's not seeing that consistent press coverage that he's seeing on the outside. Um, that's where he get, gets into a lot of his bickering matches as well. Um, and that's one thing you always have to worry about with CJ. Um, I thought the worst thing for CJ was how successful he was his first year. I think that was the worst thing for him. Um, in terms of it's very easy to get a, a big head, and that's why they call it a sophomore slump. But uh, I'm glad he seems to uh, be on the straight and narrow right now. And, yeah, it's just another uh, weapon within the offense. I mean, he can do so much at the receiver position. He can be a deep threat. Um, you know, if you're getting cover one and you want to do like a, you know, 
outside hitch, inside fade, and really open up that side of the field to, to dump one in, he can go and get it. He can also catch a slant, break a few tackles, and make that a 20-yard gain as well. So it just it's another animal uh, and weapon for the offense. All right, so we got to talk Navy in a little bit. But first, Bobby, we got to talk uniforms. And uh, I know that you're a big uniform guy. I'm a big uniform guy as well. Mike Houston, not so big on uniforms based on his answer to my question uh, after practice yesterday. But the Pirates are wearing, uh, it looks like they're all white uniforms and they're going to wear their white helmets. So you're, you're th- all right, the white helmet thing, I tally the numbers. EC one and eight all time in white helmets. But all right, we got to remember. So you, when you were with Ruff, y'all wore them at Cincinnati, at uh, against Florida in the bowl game, and then at UConn. So Ruff went zero and three, and that was an ugly Friday night loss at UConn. That was like the one where you just kind of shake your head. But the other two good opponents, you know. Then you had the Mo era. You went one and five, the only win at UConn. But the other games, it was just a tough time. I mean, if you tally ECU's record in every helmet during the Mo era, it's going to be pretty bad. So. Your thoughts, we'll start first with the white helmets. Are you glad to see them coming back? What are your thoughts on on just bringing back the white lids? I love the white lids. Uh, first off, I want to call Mike Houston's bluff. I don't. I think he's trying to push off a tough guy mentality, which I don't blame him, but I think he secretly uh, loves the uniforms. Um, but back to the white helmets, I love the white lids. I loved them when they got introduced back uh, right before that Cincinnati game. Um and I'm really glad that they are using our traditional logo for the helmet. They're not making it the red, white, and blue uh, logo. And they're, they're using that traditional logo. I've always thought when TCU does the white, purple, white, it looks really clean. Um, I'm also glad we are doing all white uniforms and, and doing the white out the right way. Um, I will say I'm not a fan of our uniforms currently. I think, um, I think, Mr. Comfer sold us on uh, Professor Copperfield's Miracle Legumes. And if you if you watch The Office, you'll know that reference. Uh, but yeah, I think he sold us on something that was fake. And, and I've been really disappointed in the Adidas contract. But I'm glad the white helmets are coming back. Yeah, let's talk about that. What has what Adidas done that is like changed the game for ECU in any athletic apparel at all? Like, I can't think of a single thing. That they've none, done. None. I, mean, I mean, I'm I'm over here hoping the basketball team comes out with new uniforms because those are abysmal to watch. With the, I'm hoping for a pirate script. That's what I want. Yeah, I mean, it, and even if the new alternate logo or alternate uniforms for football are good, like that was a student design uniform. So, right. to me, like the Nike black uniforms were great. The Adidas black uniforms to me were a downgrade. Um. I guess the only thing that Adidas has done is gold pants. Did y'all have gold pants? We did not have gold. No, we didn't have gold pants, which I'm a fan of. I do like the gold pants. To me, the the purple, purple gold is the best look that we have. Um, And I also like the gold pants with the white tops. But, um, yeah, I mean, outside of changing uniforms every two years, it's been a downgrade. And each time they change them, it gets worse and worse, like – this past change, it almost looks like, you know, when you create a team in like NCAA football and you have a generic set that you have to use, like that's what it looks like to me. It's just so uh, middle school looking. It doesn't look good at all. Um, so I'm hoping for an upgrade and kind of curious. I know we have about four more years or so left with the Adidas contract. I'm kind of intrigued of what could be 
possibly ahead because I know they're starting to probably think about that as they're getting closer to the deadline ending or the contract ending. Yeah, and clearly it comes down to money at the end of the day, and Adidas, I guess, offered a lot more money than Nike, but at the same time, like, to me, that just the apparel has not been as good, even for the fans, like, the for what the, the shirts and stuff they sell, the licensing stuff hasn't been as good, and I don't know, you know, I just, I like Adidas shoes, but I don't like their apparel as much, and I don't like, I feel like they have sold ECU short on uniforms. They have not, I mean, how hard is it to come up with gold pants? Like, I mean, okay, that's the best thing you've done is, is deliver gold pants and they still can't even match gray uniforms for baseball, which I mean, we're in year six now and ECU doesn't have gray uniforms for baseball. And we're talking about a top 15 program nationally. So, all right. Anyways, we could do a whole <laughs> podcast on Adidas and the failures there. But um, yeah, so they are going all white though. And I think Bobby, this has got to be the first time they're, they're wearing white jerseys at home, man. I don't ever remember this. I don't either. I mean, I know when I was there under rough, we got carried away with the black uniform. So we, we did a lot of black, um, only wore purple really when they made us wear purple. <laughs> um, so no, no white during the rough era. And I started following ECU really 2008 or so, right when I knew going there was a possibility. So uh, prior to that, I'm not very familiar with if they wore white or if they didn't, but uh Nothing comes off the top of my head. Yeah, I've, I mean, I've been going since the obviously since, since I was born in '92, but I remember since the late '90s. I can't ever recall a game where ECU wore white jerseys at home. Obviously, they've worn the white helmets, they've worn the white pants, but this will be a a different look. And I'm sure if ECU wins, they'll replicate it at some point. If they lose, uh, they'll probably never do it again. Well, and that's my hope too. I'm tired of this fake white helmet curse, so. Uh, it's not existent. Like you said, there was a lot of losses in the Scotty Moe era, so it didn't really matter what helmet. And then in Ruff's era, um, just a lot of it was due to the opponents that we were playing at that time. So I think it's a made-up curse. I hope we smoke Navy uh, so that we can wear these white helmets uh, a little bit more. All right, on the other side, we will dive into the Navy matchup as the midshipmen roll into Greenville, North Carolina. First, let's take a quick break. You're listening to the Hoistic Colors Podcast. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. All right, Bobby, let's transition from uniforms to the actual game. And to do that, let's talk about just the challenge of facing the triple option. And I know that you spent time as a defensive GA as well as an offensive GA, but you were telling me before the show, you didn't go against Navy as a defensive GA, but you know, just what do you remember about Navy week when you were around the ECU football team? Like I just get the vibe that 
especially with this staff, like, I mean, clearly they prepare, but it goes to another level when Navy is on the schedule. And I don't know if that's just Navy in general or if that's due to the history of how Navy has handled ECU in the past. And I think a little bit of probably could be attributed to just the pride that comes with, you know, stopping the triple option and especially with Houston's history being at triple option schools and running it. You take a lot of pride in that, um, being able to stop the triple option. And uh, I think they have a leg up. I mean, they understand every little nuance within the triple option, how to stop it, how to counter it. Um, You know, that's something that when I was on staff at ECU, you know, we had people that had some experience in it, but it's still kind of a learning curve because you're trying to learn uh, all those little nuances and adjustments that teams could make. The hardest thing probably is replicating it with the scout team because it's a completely different animal. Uh, you know, when you're replicating an air raid, you know, offensively you're used to running the air raid because that's what you're practicing every day, practicing in spring ball. You're not practicing coming off the ball low as a lineman. You're not practicing all those reads as a quarterback with the triple option. Um, so that's a different animal trying to replicate it. And, and, and that's what makes it especially hard for a defense is very rarely do you see a true replication in scout team. Yeah, and that's what they and, and Coach Houston has said that he feels like this is the best year the scout team has done replicating it, but it's still just such a different animal when you get out there the first series on game day and it's just at a completely different speed level. I do want to ask you so last year ECU played Navy late in the year, like this uh, the second to last game and obviously deep November. So if you think about it, they practice the option last spring, you know, spring of 2021, all summer, all season, and now they're turning around and facing Navy early in 2022, and they got a lot of experience coming back. Do you think that familiarity and playing them so late last year kind of helps maybe with this transition of playing them again? I do. I do. I think they they know what to expect, expect, especially having such a veteran defense. Um, you know how the coaches are going to attack it when you get to Navy week. You, you feel comfortable in the preparation. And then the flip side of it, too, especially when Navy uh, is dealing with, you know, finding their rhythm and their role. I feel like last year watching Navy the first couple of weeks, I was like, oh, man, I feel pretty good about this. They don't look very good. And then they start turning it on and, and everything starts to sink for them offensively. Uh, so as you get later in the year, they become finer tuned as well. So. I think getting them this early is an advantage. I hate that the American always gives them a bye before we play them, but I do like the fact that we are playing them early on. It's also easier on the players for the standpoint of, I know at least under rough every Sunday night, you're focused until you play Navy, we're practicing for Navy. So getting them out of the way early, you can go back into more of a normal game plan week uh, and focusing on the opponent at hand and not having to waste time for future opponents on Navy. All right, so Navy this year, Bobby, will stay with their offense. They, they've already lost four fumbles, and they've thrown two interceptions. So they've turned the ball over six times in, in two games, which is a lot of their issues. Uh, running the ball, they are only averaging 3.3 yards per carry, which is not great for them. Usually they want to be over four yards per carry. Uh, their quarterback, Ty Lavatai, I believe is how you pronounce it, uh, he's only averaging two yards a carry. He does have the only two touchdowns on the ground. They do have the slot back, Mikhail Haywood from uh, Wake Forest High School in North Carolina, who's averaging six yards a carry. He's also a good kick returner. Uh, but last year, I want to go 
All right, so last year I made the mistake, Bobby, of saying this Navy team was not very explosive. And then, of course, they were – this was heading into the ECU game. And then they hit on a kickoff return, a 90-yard run. They hit on some other big runs as well. But the first half of that football game, Bobby, I want to go through the drive chart for both teams. All right, ECU to begin the game. Six plays, 75 yards, touchdown. Navy to begin the game. Ten plays, 78 yards, touchdown. ECU, seven plays, 78 yards, touchdown. Navy, 11 plays, 75 yards, touchdown. ECU, 12 plays, 58 yards, field goal. Navy, seven plays, 70 yards, touchdown. ECU, seven plays, 85 yards, touchdown. So every single drive in the first half of that game was a score. Navy, three touchdown drives. Uh, do you think we see anything like that Saturday? Uh, I hope not, um, <laughs> at least from a defensive standpoint. I also don't think so. I don't think um, they're as good as they were last year. As you said, they've had some turnover issues. Feel more confident in our ability to stop them with the veterans that we have on defense, their familiarity with the triple option. Um, and the, even looking at, you know, the, the lopsided score la- or the week prior against Memphis when they played Memphis, I feel I don't think Memphis is very good, to be honest with you. Um, so for them to lose by 24 to Memphis, it makes me feel pretty good um, that we can at least get some stops. And that's the key is getting them off the field, not allowing them to have those long drives and where you're where on your defense. Yeah, I mean, they just ate up clock to the. The first drive was seven minutes, and the second drive, 11 minutes and 13 seconds. So, I mean, if you just – if you let them hold the football, they're going to they're gonna chew the clock, and they're going to take it all the way down. So, um, that's the thing, man. Even if they only run three plays, they're going to bleed two to three minutes off the clock. So, I do, it, it always look for the start of the game. You know, how does Navy come out? Because clearly they're going to run the option, but do they do anything crazy? Does ECU come out in a different alignment? You know, that's because you kind of have that chess match early in these games that we don't know how it's going to go. But I, I think we'll see some wrinkles on both sides, and there's going to be that feeling out period in the first quarter, right? Definitely, yeah. And that's always the case with Navy. It's a, it's a feeling out deal, especially that first drive. And I think if that that would that's what makes that very first drive and the first time Navy touches the ball, so critical. Because uh, if you can shut them down, and it doesn't even have to be a three and out, but if you force them to punt, that that gives you some confidence as a defense and some momentum. And you're like, hey, we can do this. You know, it's they, they may not be firing off the ball like you thought they would. Or, uh, you know, some of the alignments are exactly what we replicated in practice. And that's the key thing is these Navy coaches, too, know the familiarity of this ECU staff and how familiar they are with the triple option and I'm sure are going to have some wrinkles. Uh, Like I was texting you, that's what's so unique about the triple option is to the naked eye, it all looks the same, but there's so many just little minute differences that can really alter um, a defensive call or a defensive alignment and stuff like that. So that's that's what makes it very tricky. Yeah, and ECU last year in the second half, they did adjust. They forced Navy into a punt to begin the third quarter, then another punt. Uh, then they ended up giving up the long touchdown run. I think it was just a one-play 90-yard drive and a kick return. So, like, as far as traditional defense, as long as they didn't allow the big play, they were pretty good. So, hopefully that success kind of leads into this game. Uh, let's talk about the ECU offense against this Navy defense, Bobby, and then we'll get into our picks to click and also our prediction 
Uh, Brian Newberry, their defensive coordinator, has done a really good job there. I mean, they're very multiple, very similar to ECU in that they bring a lot of exotic blitzes, a lot of coverages. They both were at Kennesaw State, Blake Carroll and, and Brian Newberry. Of course, Newberry was before Blake Carroll by year, and then uh, Harold got that job. And so talked to them yesterday at the press conference, and, and Harold was close with Newberry, but just very, some very similar things that they do. Um, and so they blitz a lot. They do give up some big plays. You know, if I watched some of the Memphis highlights and watching the ECU game last year. They're they're vulnerable to the big plays, and you at least have to feel pretty comfortable knowing you've got an experienced quarterback uh, heading into this game with Holden Aylers, right? Oh, definitely. Um, especially playing a team like maybe – I mean, every week ball security is an important factor, but it's even heightened against Navy, as we discussed earlier, with their uh, their ability to eat clock. So that's heightened. And in looking in the way Holden's played and really control uh, – excuse me, managed the game well, um, protected the football – those sort of things, they work to your advantage when playing Navy because that's how Navy really gets to you, man. Like when we were playing them with rough, they were just base cover two. It was like the most simplistic thing to game plan for. But when you're giving up touchdowns and long drives and you get the ball offensively, it just puts a lot more pressure on you. Um, so for Holton's ability to manage and understand the offense and then protect the football is going to be key. I also think they have an advantage going – up uh, now being Brian Newberry being the defensive coordinator, they're seeing a lot of similar things in packet, uh, in practice. And a lot of the blitz pickup for the offensive line should be very similar to what uh, they've been seeing in spring ball and in training camp and stuff. And that's another advantage of playing them earlier in the schedule. Nine sacks for Navy through two games, which is pretty uh, it's a pretty high number. So they've been able to, even though they gave up, I think 400 yards passing or close to it to Memphis. They got to them several times in the passing game. So, uh, again, they'll bring the pressure. Very interested to see how much pressure they bring because last year they brought it a ton at Aylers and really didn't get home. If you look back at last year's box score, Holton Aylers sacked zero times. He was 27 of 32, 405 yards, three touchdowns. I mean, he played probably one of the best games of his career. The offensive line played really well. Uh, Navy, you look at it, Bobby, they're pretty much selling out to stop the run. They're only allowing 1.7 yards per rush, but they are giving up uh, well over, you know, close to 300 yards passing per game. So, and that, and that was kind of a similar story last year. Like they do seem to blitz a lot, which allows them to shut down the running game. But um, I guess with the RPO game, you can maybe take advantage of some matchups in, in this type of, in this type of matchup, right? Yeah, definitely, definitely. You have uh, you have your read, your cue. If he's coming, you know, you pull it back and throw it. Otherwise, you hand it. Um, and all that blitzing, too, is what leaves them susceptible to the big play. I mean, Navy traditionally is normally already working at a disadvantage in, in, in terms of the type of athlete they have. Normally, they're not as athletic. They're just sound defensively. And when you're doing all this movement and blitzing and stuff, you're able to take advantage of that from an athletic standpoint as well. One thing I would really like to see, to be honest with you, is a little speed option with Holton. Even having him pitch it early, understanding you don't want him to get hit, but letting Mitchell get out on the edge there and make something happen with his speed because there's going to be a lot happening inside the tackles there with all those blitzes that are taking place. And I remember Mitchell, especially early in last year's game, he was gashing Navy off the edge. So I'm sure Navy will prepare for that, but also – you can prepare for it, but Keaton Mitchell's speed is just dynamic. So looking forward to seeing that chess match early. 
you know, how much does ECU come out throwing versus trying to establish the run? We'll see on Saturday. Uh, Bobby, before we get to our picks to click, I'm always curious, too, in this type of game, if you win the toss against Navy, do you want to receive to try and jump on them, or do you want to give the ball to them and, you know, potentially allow them to set the tone? Because the problem is if you receive, and this has happened to ECU so much in the past, if you receive and you go three and out and they score, you're behind the eight ball, too. Uh, so there's just that that chess match there to begin the game. I think this year where we're at defensively, I'm okay and comfortable with deferring the toss, allowing Navy to get the football. And the confidence that that builds for the team, if you can do a three and out or at least force them to punt, go down and get a field goal or a touchdown, dude, that's going to – in my opinion, that's going to go a long way. So uh, if it were me, I would defer the toss. Years past, I may not have done that. I, I would want to try to jump on them early and set the tone. But um, I think I feel confident enough in us defensively that I would defer the if we won the coin toss. Last year, ECU won the toss and received and then scored the touchdown. And then, like we said, it was just back and forth from there. And I remember in 2019, same thing happened. ECU got the ball first, went three and out, touchdown Navy. Three and out, short punt, touchdown Navy, and the game was over. I mean, it was it was over. And granted, they had Malcolm Perry, much different team at that point. All right, let's do our picks to click. Bobby, we'll, we'll, we'll make a pick on offense for the player that we think will have a big game and then defensively as well. Um, offense, I'll let you go first. Do you have a, a pick to click individually uh, heading into this Navy matchup? Yeah, I think that Ryan Jones is going to have a big game. I'm expecting a big one from him. Uh, using his athleticism and creating some mismatches there against, uh, especially the Navy linebackers. I, I feel like Ryan Jones will have a big game this week. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know how Navy matches up with these guys one-on-one um, to be honest. I mean, any of them really. And I think Ryan Jones is your de facto talent differential guy there. Five catches for 42 yards and a touchdown last season. Uh, Tyler Sneed had a huge day with five catches for 137 against Navy. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, C.J. Johnson in the slot. I think similar type of deal. You know, he's basically playing the same position as Ryan Jones in many respects at this point. They're both in the slot a lot. They're both bigger, more physical receivers. Again, if you're the nickelback for Navy, if you're a linebacker or a safety, can you match C.J. Johnson's physicality, his, his ability? I don't. I don't think so. So I think CJ can have a big game on Saturday against the uh, the Navy defense. Uh, switching to the other side of the ball, defensively, I mean, you could go in a lot of different areas here. A lot of people have to have good games defensively. Uh, who's your pick to click for the Pirate defense? I'm going to do a unique one. I'm going to go Tegan Wilk at safety. Uh, I like. Uh, I think he's going to be pretty sound. I think Trip Tri Weaver is going to have him ready to go, and he he's going to. Um, He'll be in the right spot, so I'm going to go with Tegan Wilk. And you may not notice it necessarily in tackles, but he's going to, you know, hold his gap and force the ball to the correct spot. Good open field tackler. So if the ball does come his way, you would expect him to make the play. Uh, I'm also going to go with the DB, and I think this may be a bit of a stretch because corners at times don't play huge huge games against the option, but they still got to get out in the perimeter, and make tackles. And I remember. ECU just was gashed on the perimeter last year. You know, whether it be safety or corner, they couldn't get off blocks. Now, this year, there's no cut blocking allowed outside the tackle box for the first time. 
And I think that's critical for a guy like Juwan Powell. I feel like this is his game. He is excellent against the run, really good tackler. And, yeah, he's going to have to cover the receivers downfield, but if they do some similar stuff to last year, he'll have the opportunity to make some tackles. And I think Juwan Powell is going to help in the run game. So he is my pick to click defensively. Uh, Before we make our prediction, Bobby, any thoughts on the elimination of the cut block and outside the tackle and how that might help ECU this weekend? I think it allows the secondary and those second level guys to play a little bit more free and not have to worry about it. That's one thing. Also, you have to uh, you don't have to replicate in practice, which helps as well. Um, yeah, that's that's kind of my take on it. Uh, if we were talking NFL and the defensive backs not being able to take out uh, the legs, that would be a different story because I hate that rule. But um, yeah, yeah, I still remember going out to practice and seeing Rick Smith teach his DBs how to get off cut blocks. So I guess that's. Yeah. That's no longer a requirement. Um, his cut block drills and his uh, crack back block drills were uh, – <laughs> I, I don't know if those would be allowed right now, uh, the right. crack back especially. But. Yeah, we need to get old Rick Smith on the podcast soon. Um, all right, Bobby, prediction time, East Carolina Navy. ECU has never beaten Navy at home. They have beaten them twice on the road. Both times it took a pretty uh, dominant offensive performance. Dominique Davis in 2011, which you were a part of, and also Holton Aylers last year, 38-35 was the final both of those years. Uh, what, what's your prediction for this weekend? ECU is a 17-point favorite last I checked, which seems crazy to think about, but uh, do you think the Pirates have any shot of covering that spread if they win? I have them covering. I think it's going to be 45-17. I, I'm going for <laughs> 45-17, going for a defensive touchdown. Um and I think they're gonna they're gonna score most of the times they touch the ball. So I, I don't think they'll be held back much. Um, and like I said, and have um, insinuated throughout the podcast, I'm very confident where we're at defensively. So I, I feel good about us going into this game. Feel this is the probably the most prepared and the best team we've had to compete against Navy. Um, so I feel very confident. Forty five seventeen. Man, Bobby, that is <laughs> that's bold, isn't it? I knew you were confident, but. Damn, man, I didn't expect 45-17. That is a that would be a statement, and I'll tell you what, that would be uh, a sight for sore eyes for ECU fans in this matchup because, let's be honest, ECU owes Navy a couple. I just I just don't – I feel like this is Navy – I don't want to say it's their Super Bowl because they have Air Force next week, but, like, if you're Navy, you're 0-2, you look terrible the first two games, you're coming off a bye. Like, to me, this is – what they see is their turning point for the season. Hey, we've had success against ECU. We can go in here and win this game. They're, they're off a of bye. Their coaches are going to come up with some crazy BS. I, I just have a feeling. I don't know how long it'll work, but they'll come up with some game plan that'll work. And I just think it's going to be a, a tight game. Although I do feel like ECU offensively should be able to move the football. If they play a clean game, they should be able to put up points. And I just worry about Navy trying to ball control the hell out of this game and keep it close. So I'm going to go with a tighter score than yourself. I do have ECU winning. I've got the Pirates winning 31 to 20, but I can't go 45 17. So I have I have Navy covering. I do have ECU winning and moving to three and one. And hey, as long as they win by one, back up on out of there, like uh, Ralph used to say, I think we'll all take yeah. it right. Yep, yep, that's all that matters, man. One point and go home. Well, let's hope we're talking about another ECU win come Sunday or Monday on the podcast and not talking about how the white helmets need to be burned. 
uh bobby we appreciate the time man it's good to have you back on the podcast and we will uh, have you have you on again soon maybe to discuss uh the 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 i guess review of the adidas contract let's do it let's do it thanks for having me on really appreciate it go pirates absolutely for bobby i'm steven Igo. we will talk with you guys after the game enjoy saturday 6 p.m kickoff from daddy fitness stadium Shy returns with new episodes on Paramount Plus. What brings you to the show? Opportunity. Everybody get down! A new rain is coming to the South Side. Never should have sent a boy to do a woman's job. The Shy. New episodes May 10th. Visit ParamountPlus.com slash The Shy to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. Subscription auto renews. Restrictions apply.